Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 140. I'm Kaylin. Clark. I'm Ryan. Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate, and we are in our second of our second round picks. We're going uh, weird teams and our, uh, paranor- our uh, paramilitary teams. <laughs> paranormal. Yeah, we set our paranormal teams. Ooh. I'm a Lamar. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, I would like to mention one more time that we are participating in a fundraiser with uh, the podcasts X Reads, X's for Podcasts, Comic Book Queers, the podcast that goes snicked, and the Cerebros to try and raise money for local comic book shops. We've already raised an, a decent amount of money. Um, and uh, we would, we're raising money for the Comic Book Industry Charitable Foundation, the BINC, and their Comic Book United Fund. If you look up the BINC and their Comic, comic Book United Fund, you can find them online. You can make a donation direct to them. Send us uh, a, a screenshot of your donation and you can get fabulous, fabulous uh, perks from having done so. Uh, this really helps out support business shops that have been greatly affected by the coronavirus. Um, <clears throat> but we are going to go back to our uh, Mutant Madness Bracket Challenge. We have picked a bunch of teams. Uh, we have talked about which ones will go forward. Uh, and you, the listeners, have uh, submitted different brackets. Um, some of you are doing better than others. The one who is doing the absolute best is Brett Manns, who has a uh, not a commanding lead, but he is leading. Um, Mike Moon and Evan Cooper are in second place and uh, following in third or fourth, depending on how you do rank order systems. Timothy Harkin, as we go forward, it's going to be harder and harder to get more and more correct answers, but it does mean that uh, you know it's still anyone's game. Uh, I'm very excited to see who, if there's any change-ups as we go on. Um, all right, so uh, starting out with the weird teams, Kalen, do you want to kick us off? Sure, absolutely. This is, again, as Brent said, round two of the weird slash miscellaneous teams. Mostly it's sort of the X-Factor slash Excalibur type teams. So the first one is the very original uh, X-Factor with uh, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Angel, Beast, and Iceman. Uh, They're up against the War of Kings Starjammers, which featured Havoc, uh, Polaris, uh, Hebzibah, uh, and others. It was during the uh, uh, seminal War of Kings uh, storyline with the Guardians of the Galaxy, Nova, and some of the other cosmic characters. And we picked some issues that Brent and Adam uh, may have read. Uh, First up for X-Factor are issues 24, 25, and 26, which was the uh, beginning of Archangel, first as one of the uh, horsemen of Apocalypse. Uh, As you remember from last time we talked about X-Factor, Apocalypse was originally an X-Factor villain before he became an ultimate and X-villain. Uh, so these were some really wonderful issues featuring phenomenal art by Walt Simonson. Um, and then uh, Clark picked uh, uh, X-Men um, uh, Emperor Vulcan's issues one and two and war, one and four, excuse me, and War of Kings one. So uh, Brent or Adam, who, you guys want to kick it off about what you thought about these series before we vote? I just want to say as just a general note going across this, um, having seen Archangel from later issues, I always kind of thought like this is a really douchey character. It's a hacky thing to do. Uh, this rehabilitated that image a little bit. I think that it's more interesting the way you see this kind of. Uh, the, maybe it's because I think Angel is such a lame character, but Archangel is much more interesting as a creation than I thought um, I would find him to be. Yep. Um, I would, before we kind of go deeper into all of these readings, I was going to say that you all, uh, especially this week, it's either the series or the ones you chose, but I, nearly 90% of these books, just reading kind of one to two issues, I was like, I need to read the rest of this. Like, I had a tough time actually moving on between certain selections, uh, just because of how fun and unique they were. And, and particularly for original X-Factor and War of King Starjammers, 
I think I'm at a little bit of a crossroads uh, that I think you all identified when we had our first round for this, which is, I think War of Kings Starjammers is far more my speed. Like I just, that's just kind of the type of comic, the team, the storyline I enjoy. And, and one of my favorite uh, runs of, or not runs, or I just gets overall series were like the Annihilation mega event. And it's because it was very space focused. It was very like, time bound, it could tell a really interesting story with a lot of characters that I don't think had necessarily tons of history or tons of focus in the past. Um, but where it fell flat for me is I think you brought it up, Caleb, is that it doesn't really feel like uh, an X-Men comic or at least the stuff that I read. It was a, it sounded like an amazing movie and I, I can't wait to read more. Um, but where as original X-Factor, it wasn't necessarily uh, extremely engaging but just like when we kind of read through some of the old 80s X-Men, uh, you can really, last week, you can really see where the series has come from. And I think it was already evolved enough beyond like the original X-Men and even some of the other 80s properties where I was like, oh, okay. Like you can really start seeing all the great uh, groundwork that I think that makes X-Men today. So I'm having a conflict of nostalgia or impact versus like oh shit this actually i would love to read the the full length of this story i didn't read like i didn't read uh vulcan number four because i only read the number ones because i wanted to specifically set aside time to get, get yeah yeah that's fine right i mean i chose war of kings number one obviously because it's so polaris heavy in terms of her importance in pushing crystal to where she needed to be for the entire series I am exactly in the same boat with Adam, like 100%. The exact thought processes are going through my head in terms of what I like better, what's, what I feel is more versus what I think is more important historically. Um, I, I don't really know, other than literally that is what I'm saying. Um, the thing about <laughs> War, of Star, War of King Starjammers is that I think it, I don't think it's about the team as much as it's about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Since, I mean, Emperor Vulcan is, the Vulcan itself, obviously, by the name, by name alone, is as equally as important as the team and story. Original X Factor is, you know, it is X Factor, yeah. and the ones we chose, Kayla and I chose the same ones, which didn't really happen all that often. That obviously these are the more, I think, to me, these are the most important issues of the series. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, as Adam said, I don't find it engaging. I find it interesting as like. Yeah, as the times capital, this is incredibly right. important to the entire series. Rereading the, the arc. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, do you want to go, Caleb? No, 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 go up. Go ahead. I didn't say anything. Rereading -re both of these and rereading the arc of like Apocalypse and him coming up was exciting to see the the origins of that. Mm -hmm. And I think we're uh, we're in a weird way because it, like. To, to think of the X-Men as not traveling in space, that's nonsense. Because they're always in fucking space yeah. in some way. So, like, this is the original team coming back together. And this is another space epic that they're doing. Mm. So, it's comparing those two. And in a weird way, it's sort of like comparing these two giant figureheads of these villains coming to become what they are and how we know them well. So, yeah. it, 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 I, I do agree. It's hard to... I like seeing X Factor in the way that like you see them after all these years coming back together. That's cool. And then it comes into something bigger. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the Star Jammers in this iteration, but I don't know if it hits in the it's way. It's not the X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. It, it's not the most X-Men thing that's ever X-Men before, but it also is, um, uh, I don't know if it, it, uh, it comes together as well as maybe the original X Factor does yeah. in the long run. Brand and it feels like the, the series that precedes this, the, the sort of like the preclude se series where the, it's the uncanny X-Men of that team forming on Earth and then going to space, that feels better than what this Star Jammers mm. team. Agreed. And we're, we're going to get to that in the next bracket. Yeah. Um, this is Brent, definitely a, a head versus heart for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually don't want to say anything about this one because, <clears throat> look, I mean, putting it on the table, to me, it seems like uh, Star Jammers just doesn't have as big of an impact. I don't know how much, how much, I mean, maybe you guys could speak to how well it does as far as queer representation, mm -hmm. but the original X Factor just seems like it's a more cohesive story. It seems like it's had a larger impact broadly. 
I think I probably have to say I'm already leaning toward that one in general. Don't forget that Cyclops had sex with that firefighter when they were fixing the city in uh, X Factor. So it is tough. Good to not. job, Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Biggest cad in all of X history. Um, I, I'm all, I think I'm at the point where I feel like for the first couple um, runs that we've done, runs, excuse me, but the first round that we worked on, I think it, I was going for both the team and the book itself. I mm -hmm. think I'm honing in on the team itself now. Yeah. That's more yeah. important than how we felt about how amazing the series writing was, which obviously is a super important at the same time. Okay, we're basing, this, we're basing, basing this on the teams. This is uh, mutant madness. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm looking at it from, um, I'm looking at a slightly different angle. I'm looking at it from like the historical aspect of the longevity of like what, concepts and characters and all that brought in and like apocalypse right yeah huge impact uh archangel huge impact you know yeah, when we're uh, when we're dealing with teams so, we're also dealing dealing about who the teams go up against mm -hmm. exactly so um i mean to me um it is kind of tough kind of comparing these because of the time period when they took place like the original x factor was 80s to like 91 uh the star jammers is like the mid mid to late 2000s so like Clearly, there is like comics were very different between those two time mm -hmm. periods from the art, the story, the dialogue, all that stuff. But I think for me, when we vote, I've got yeah. to vote for X Factor. All right, well, wait, let's not say vote yet. it up. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's vote it. Do it. All right, thumbs up if you think the original X Factor should move forward. It's five to zero, original X Factor. Uh, Kaylin, let's take it to the what I think is the most contentious one. Yes, I agree. And I don't even know how I'm going to vote at this point. So we've got. Um, Ecstatics, uh, which started with uh, X-Force, so they became Ecstatics, up against the original Excalibur. Um, uh, Ecstatics was written by uh, Peter Milligan and mostly illustrated by Mike Allred. The original Excalibur was originally written by Chris Claremont, drawn mostly by Alan Davis, and then Alan Davis became both writer and artist. Uh, the issues that we picked, um, I picked for Ecstatics uh, were X-Force actually 116 to 117, 123, 129, and then the first issue of Ecstatics. Um, and then Clark picked also uh, X-Force number 117, X-Force number 129, and then Ecstatics number 19. Uh, and then- But oh, before sorry. we go into the actual ones that we doubled up on, the reason I chose Ecstatics 19 is because it is heavily focused on Vivisector, who is like, there's a lot of good characters in the series. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But it deals almost exclusively with him, which I thought would be important for us to read just to, you know, get that queer angle. And I know at some point, Adam would probably like to read that issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think the ones that we both picked were sort of the forming of the this yeah. first X-Force team. And then how, uh, for me, how they had to change to Ecstatics, uh, which was very meta because they did it for copyright issues. And the story uh, goes that in, in actual, the real world, Marvel did that because they didn't want to pay any royalties to Rob Layfield. So it was like X-Force, Deadpool, and Cable all became different series, if you remember. <laughs> like Cable became Soldier X, uh, Deadpool became uh, Agent X, uh, and then of course X-Force became Ecstatics. And so then they ended up doing that as the story reason too, because the original X-Force was suing them for copyright issues, <laughs> for trademark issues. So, uh, And then Excalibur, uh, the issues that I picked uh, was the... Um, one shot that started off the series called The Sword is Drawn. And then I picked Excalibur number three, which was um, kind of a one-off uh, issue about the team just kind of hanging out together. And then Clark, I think you picked uh, three issues during the cross time caper. If I'm, I if chose I ones that are at the end of the cross time caper or afterwards. Um, and the reason I chose them is because I felt like a lot of the series, I didn't really realize it when I was first reading it. It's a lot of them doing their own thing. They're cross-time stuff, and they're dealing with, you know, wizards and shit and the first ones and stuff like that, but that's not really about their characterization. The characterization, things that happen in the series, mostly, for the first part, happen solo, which I felt very strange. With these three issues, 18, 20, and 26, I felt like the characterization was building in a group setting. Yeah. I think 20 is the one where it's it, it dealt, deals with Megan's powers versus Rachel's powers and how they're, like, basically can't not cancel each other out, but, like, malforming each other which i finally it finally felt like the team was doing something emotionally connected except for obviously i think uh, the sword is drawn is very 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 important mm -hmm. 
These um, two teams feel like two different things. These aren't the uh, these aren't X Men. These are spinoffs of the X Men. So like X Statics was like this team that could have been something different that doesn't even really have any relation to the original team. Mm-hmm. And then Excalibur is like, what if? Oh shit! What if we got hurt? We moved to England and we started a new life. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's two very different things. So I, I love these two spinoffs and it's very hard to go through, honestly, because for sure they, was, they add a lot to the history of what X-Men means. So like, it was fun as a first impression reader that these two are matched up because originally I was expecting that X-Statics would be like weird off the wall. Like I, we've read the one shot, I think that came out like last year. And so I'm like slightly knew what to expect, but Excalibur, I read Sword is Drawn for this week. And I was like, this is weird and quirky as fuck too. Like the, you had the Warwolves, you had that giant lady and her strange creature running around with, and that like fucking <laughs> thing that would like suck people up like eggs. Like the whole thing was just <laughs> odd. And I liked that the two series were kind of entwined. Cause I'm like, it's, I thought it would be an easy win for me because I always tend to like the, I think, newer age comics that are more focused, not necessarily on meta, but just like being honest or aware of comic tropes and then trying to play with them. I think Ecstatic seemingly does that really well from what I read. But even Excalibur, actually, out of all some of the 80 series we read, sort of drawn, like it felt very timeless. Like I felt like any person could pick it up and enjoy the art, enjoy the uh, dialogue and just be like, oh, this is a cool team. I'd like to keep watching them. And I definitely walked away from both of the, my experiences being like, I need more of this series. So I'm really interested to hear from you all about like where it goes or what sticks out for you and why it matters more. Brent? For, uh, for me, I think <clears throat> I was having that, the same debate you guys have been talking about, which is the ecstatics really they feel like a very they feel like a very different team and to what degree are they really an X-Men team do they embody the X-Men yeah. versus the Excalibur which i found to be it, it was reliably interesting i thought it was a very nice makeup of different individual members with artwork i didn't really love and Perhaps my biggest problem was I think that there's a lot of melodramatic behavior and perhaps that's early on and that it softens later, but it was something I didn't really like. I guess the thing that really, like, I look at the art, for example, and in Ecstatics, it feels like the art is very cohesively in line with what the team is about, that they're mm-hmm. trying to put on this kind of veneer that they're they're good, but... They, they've been, they're doing the same things that um, people have done before. They, they've got the same vices. They're not different from us. And Excalibur, I thought, you know, the artwork wasn't great, but it had some moments of really, you know, beautiful inspiration. Um, I guess where I fall on this is that when it comes to the ecstatics, they don't feel like a traditional X-Men team. And they're definitely acting as this kind of off-branching group. But the kinds of things that they reflect upon and that they really embrace well as themes are the same stuff that make the best episode, the best issues of the X-Men work well. Like, how do we reflect on, um, uh, you know, celebrity? How do we engage with, like, new members? And I think that the Ecstatics just did such a good job of forming so many strong voices so early and surprising you with ways that were very genuine. I couldn't put that I couldn't put it down. I yeah, I purposely only read the issues that Kaylin and I had chosen. And I ended up reading like five more issues of Ecstatics and like wasted so much time that I didn't need to do, but I just couldn't stop. Uh, when I first read these, I thought I was gonna I I didn't like ecstatics at first because it felt too much of a departure for me years ago when I first read it and coming back and reading it like without that you know preconceived notion in my head like how good this series is um and I just I don't we were talking about you know the Muir Island Excalibur that we that came later that Warren Ellis Ellis. I found that so much better than this I just Mm. I don't like it I do, but I do like Alan Davis' art. Um, 
but at the same time, it, what Kaylin, what, uh, but whoever said, what Brent said, um, this is not a mutant. I mean, this basically is mm -hmm. almost mutant in name only a lot of the time. Right. I want um, to vote for it, but it, that that is a sticking point in my head that I'm struggling to decide what I want to do with. It's really funny because I had the exact opposite reaction rereading Ecstatics, Clark, because yeah. when it was first coming out, I bought every issue <laughs> and was obsessed with it. And then I remember like, I think I bought it out of spite because there were so many like terrible X fans who were like, this yeah. isn't my X force. I'm like, no, it's better. Fuck you, Layfield fan. Um, and so I, I like, I, I like, I tore it up. And then going back and reading it now, it feels more dated than Excalibur, which was late eighties and early nineties, because mm. it is, it is um, a critique uh, and a meta commentary on celebrity culture in the early two thousands, uh, which is like, when reality TV was starting and, you know, we were getting all this like sort of inside information about uh, the various um, uh, celebrities through like, you know, uh, like talk shows and like, you know, and then like, uh, like E and all that kind of stuff was coming out. And it just felt, it just felt very dated to me in a way, in a, in a different way than like uh, Excalibur, I, which started in 1988. I didn't read these issues again yet. But there is definitely a plot line that involves Princess Diana that had to yeah. be squashed because of how much the, the monarchy hated the fact that this was happening. Which I found weird because when that terrible Brit that terrible NBC show Passions came on, there was like oh a two-year plot line that involved Princess Diana, and it was fucking strange. How dare you? That show's great. I was yeah. going to quickly <laughs> say that um, I did get a lot of vibes, I guess... The order I read them, Ecstatics was giving me a lot of vibes of like Wicked and Divine uh, in terms of like celebrity with power, like it's how do you point. handle that? Um, I do think that Wicked and like, I can see what you're describing, which is like it's their time sort of time capsules, right? Like that was, theirs was far more, um, what's that called? Theirs was like, Ecstatics was far more reality star. Whereas I think Nookit and Divine is a bit more like influencer, which sounds ridiculous that we have these fucking like <laughs> breakdowns, but honestly, that's what it is. Like Wicked and yeah. Divine is built around like creating and making change versus Ecstatics was all about how do I get coverage essentially, which was, yeah. which was big there. But I, I yeah, really yeah. love the idea that baby Kalen loved this series, baby Clark hated it. And now adult Kalen doesn't like getting, yeah. loves it. This is once again, a head versus heart thing. Yeah, it is. And uh, Brent and I, you and I have disagreeing because Alan Davis is probably one of my favorite X-Men artists. I absolutely love Alan Davis' art, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ryan, what are you voting we, for? Sway me. No, well, oh. Ecstatics <laughs> is outdated just the way Excalibur is. Ecstatics is some, something that I would give to someone the first go around of if they don't know any of the X-Men. Mm. But if you're interested in the X-Men at all, you read Excalibur because that's yeah. more in the lore. Ecstatics is basically excluded from all X-Men lore. You can right. just read it by itself and be fine. That it's Duke. a commentary on it rather than actually being in the X-Men line, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. I've got, I've got one more thing. One more thing okay. to say really quickly before we vote. Um, for me, I have to lean more towards Excalibur uh, just because of the characters. Because I love yeah. Kurt, Kitty, and Rachel so much. And I, I like Brian and Megan. But like Kurt, Rachel, and Kitty as like this trio that are like refugees from the X-Men after the mutant massacre and uh it just like makes me so happy all right um we'll do a vote all in favor of ecstatics moving forward as a better x team thumbs up and in four to one excalibur moves forward it was just because it doesn't it's yeah. not it doesn't even feel like a mutant team to me it's, listen i understand I, it's a series i want to read but anyways well, i'm gonna i'm gonna read more ecstatics i'm probably not yeah. gonna read more ecstatics. that's the kind of takeaway let's, yeah, let's but, move on keep on going all right so we've got uh x club um x -Club. and then the issues that we picked um ryan picked x club number one i picked the whole <laughs> no party like an x club party <laughs> yeah gotta show you how we're doing it every time <laughs> We're going to X Club next time. I'm then, gonna vote uh, for X Club just so we can sing S Club again. Yeah, and then <laughs> sorry, um, Kaylin. Clark, Clark picked Uncanny X Men number five twelve, which heavily features X Club, and picked a couple of issues from the miniseries. Up against uh, the all new, all different X Factor from nineteen ninety one, 
which is when Peter David first started writing X Factor. Um, Clark and I both picked issues 71 and 72, which were the first couple of issues of this team. Uh, and the team includes Havoc, Strong Guy, Polaris, Wolvesbane, uh, and Majorox, the Multiple Man. Uh, I picked issue number uh, 73, and Clark picked number 87. Um, no, I picked ahead, 87 Clark. because it is the most iconic issue of the series. It is the issue where all of them, each one of them are in separate psycho psychological like appointments with Leonard Sampson. Yeah. And it is such a good issue. X, it's the yeah, best X issue. Factor, X Factor Investigations did this again, and I think actually did it better because the, the, it made more sense each of the, and, yeah. and the characters already connected better. But anyways, this yeah. was a super important issue in terms of structure, in terms of styling, in terms of just what this series was. I probably yep. should have read that one because for me, this isn't even a competition reading two issues of X Club and two issues of all new, all different X Factor. I found mm -hmm. X Factor to be so completely dated and just- Oh, I wasn't it a, is. Yeah, like it's not a huge dated. fan of the, it, I mean, I think all, it's weird going back from your childhood and looking at 90s issues and being like, dear God, what a mess. Like, I was just like, this is like so many bad references, <laughs> so much poor, right? Like it just, it just doesn't age. Whereas X Club, I, I mean, again, I'm much more of like, I think the late 90s, early 2000s and beyond comics. Um, I was absolutely in love and I'm so glad that you included uh, Uncanny 512 where they go back in time it because it was a beautiful a issue. Fucking fantastic issue. I, okay. I'm, I did not expect ecstatic, I mean, X, excuse me, X Club to get this much love and I'm so happy that I put it in because yeah. I, I almost forgot about it. I, it's um, wonderful. Did not like X Club. <gasps> you did I, not really. That, we felt was, like it's so up your alley. I yeah. thought it was bad. Brent's like this comic is it, pandering to me, and I hate it. it felt <laughs> like, I agree. Like, it felt like someone was doing a sequel to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something. Like you, it, I don't know. None of the voices felt quite right. And some of the new voices that I had never seen before, like the the doctor who wears, you know, all white. Uh, Nemesis. As, Nemesis. As a suit, not as like a lab. <laughs> uh, he was written like what I think people who think smart people sound like, where they just go, let me replace every word they use with a word in the thesaurus. I can give you that. I can definitely give you that, especially in X Club number one. It was a, it was really rough. <laughs> the, the one, the one voice that I really liked was uh, Danger, Danger Room. Was it? Which is it? Dangerous Room. Yeah. You know what? Baby, baby Danger, Danger Room is her full name. Room right. is her surname. Miss yeah. Room. <laughs> room, <laughs> comma Danger. If you're nasty, you're gonna say Miss Room. If you're exactly. <laughs> uh, look. And if, you know what? All new, all different X Factor might be a little bit dated, but I don't know. I think I enjoyed seeing Polaris and Guido hang out. Uh, Madrox, I didn't mind him around. Um, you mean the mayonnaise jar? The mayonnaise jar? Oh my Super god, that's disgusting. But, but more importantly, Polaris's hair, uh, which was featured in a big, big way on an entire page. I mean, so it, Larry Stroman is the uh, artist for X Factor, and like. I remember even as a kid being like, this is exaggerated as fuck. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. But if you see some of his like other artwork, which I know we're not really judging, he is one, he is a, uh, he's African-American. Um, and like he, the way he draws some of his other stuff, I think is like super cool. He had a comic called Tribe that lasted like maybe two issues uh, uh, from Image. Not a great series, but it looked beautiful. Uh, and like, he was really trying to like, kind of, you know, uh, put some of his own cultural roots in that and that was really kind of cool but um, the thing about x-factor as it compared to the other x-books in the early 90s specifically x-men blue and gold and x-force this was a breath of fresh air because it didn't feel super testosterone heavy it was very irreverent it was fun clearly peter david like honed his craft when he came back to x-factor in the 2000s mm -hmm. but this is like the seeds of like it becoming a really great series it just he just kind of got thrown off the book before it went to really, really interesting places. That's a good call out because I know we'll talk about the 2000s a little bit later, but there, it was a huge difference in terms of quality. And I think the artwork overall, like the technicality was there. It's just trapped in the 90s. Like lots yeah. of boo butt poses, lots of like just giant, <laughs> giant people. Like I'm like, you're like, it's not testosterone heavy. I'm like, there's literally strong guy. Like, yeah. 
Can I say, Kaylin and uh, Adam, I love it how Kaylin says something. Ryan does what we've talked about, about raising his hand. Adam listens and agrees and also puts his hand up and then just starts talking before <laughs> Ryan says anything. Let me it's, just say something about this. It's a X one Club. X Club is a a spin-off team that like what if we put all the smart guys together mm. and it became a mini series and that's all it was and it was fun for a bit but let's move on and i feel like all new all different it's just what the x-men are you reboot mm-hmm. a title and you do a new team and you're excited about what the new team is and it was well written even though it starts with the gray poupon joke like <laughs> <laughs> it, it's still a it's still a better hey, title hey, and it Ryan. lasts longer than six issues or whatever. Ryan, yeah. Ryan, yes. Moby Dick starts with a gray poupon joke. Don't you insult the gray poupon? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I think uh, um, mainly issues with X Factor are the parts that aren't really about the team. I, I I don't love the art and I don't love the Reigns world and any sort of dumb 90s TV show movie reference. And um, that's, that's not what Peter the team David is. That's you. not what the team is, yeah. so my issues are not. Yeah. The art's ridiculous. I feel like the strong guy just looks fucking insane. Yeah. I would strong? have Joel McHale be him now because his body <laughs> looks contorted just the same way. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, Larry it's Str- stupid. Is Kalen, is, is, is his name Larry Stroman? Is that right? That's right. He comes back for five issues of investigations, and it is so much worse. It just looks like mm. elephant got people that have gotten yeah. like punched in the face a hundred times. But anyways, he got he Brent, got worse. Uh, looks like spaghetti. I say let's let's go go ahead. Yeah. Oh. yeah. All in favor of X Club going forward, put your thumb up. And wow. Four to one. Uh, X Club uh, does not go forward. It's all new, all different X Factor. I'm surprised by Clark's vote. I'm very surprised by that. I thought you would definitely have voted for X Club. All right, Kaylin, let's take it away. So this is the last of the weird miscellaneous teams. We've got uh, Krakoa Marauders. uh, And if you've listened to our sister podcast, uh, issue number 140.5, that that, uh, the latest issue comes back after a hiatus for a couple of months. Uh, And it's up against X Factor Investigations, which we have uh, referenced a number of times. On this podcast and previous podcasts, it is beloved by many of us uh, on here. Um, the issues, well, we've all read uh, Krakoa Marauders uh, ever since it started last year. Up against uh, Expected Investigations, the issues uh, I picked were the first six issues. So I think it's a nice little storyline. Uh, Ryan picked X Factor number 39, as did Clark. And then uh, the numbering jumped because they were trying to match it up to what the original X Factor numbering was. So Clark also picked issues 207 to 212. Uh, Brent, why don't we kick it off to you? Um, what did you think? So you, I don't know if you read these issues or not. Yeah, yeah. So the Krakoa Marauders um, has, you know, I, there's, a, there's a certain problem, I think, that with any rating system based off of art, which often favors new art over older art. And I definitely thought going into this that the Krakoa Marauders uh, was going to be tough to beat, even though I knew everyone loved X Factor uh, Investigations. The Marauders are like, they're just a good, they're a well-formed team. They've got a very good purpose. I think that really half of what makes an X-Men team great is the circumstance they're put in. Um, and the Marauders just really has that. It's it's fun reading, but it has very low impact because it's, you know, still ongoing. X-Factor Investigations blows it out of the water. I mean, it is really good characterization. It's it's really interesting uh, as a setting. It, it has the same elements that X-Factor has, but much longer longevity. Um, I mean, it, it's very quality writing. You feel like this could be bound into a graphic novel and it could be separate as its own worthy tome um, as far as quality goes. 
Uh, Adam, what did you think as someone who also just you know started this? Yeah, this is the first time I read X Factor Investigations and obviously had very high uh, expectations given how much everyone has, I think, talked about it and loved on it. And I think it actually met every single one of those expectations. I read one through six. Um, and it's good because it's also kind of the number, there's a few more Marauders issues, I think, but at least it's like equal that I'm like getting the experience of both starts of series. And I think um, overall investigations is to your exact point. It's a much more interesting, I love my little time capsule stories, or I should say like time finite stories where I can just pick it up, read it, generally have a sense of the characters, but like they still get new development and they're just still an interesting story. And I think that that really nails it. I think that's a lot more focus than the first couple of issues of Marauders. Like Marauders feels like it's kind of too tied to everything else, but also still not making necessarily an impact in those uh, books. Um, I think the only thing, just because I think we're getting like really core interesting discussions is that it's a excellent book, but I wouldn't necessarily, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, if this evolves, it doesn't feel necessarily like they're a team, I think it's a great take on a use of X-Men. Like, because it's, I, even as we were just talking, as you were just talking now, Brent, I'm like, that's right, none of them would have like a ton of money. So they would all like, and they all have great powers, but it's like, that doesn't automatically make you like famous and rich and like yeah. able to support yourself. And so it's kind of cool, especially someone like Siren. I thought they did a really good job with her. And just the dialogue is definitely shoulders above uh, Marauder. So. I'm yeah, this is one way, but I'm interested. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. This is definitely a keep reading because this team is fully functional in terms of just how they're built, how they're sometimes not built. Mm. It's, it's it, Peter David to me is he just does character studies so crazy well and gives characterization to characters you don't think are going to matter at all. Mm -hmm. um, every single characterization that's built into this series right here has continued. Everything we love about Shatterstar now came from this. It did not come mm. from the abortions that was his existence before. <laughs> everything we no do feet before. Everything, everything we have about Richter now comes from that. Everything yeah. we have about a mobile man now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't even know who, who is different. I mean, who, who has not developed from this. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is, I mean, I, I don't know how I cannot say how much I love it, but <laughs> it's my favorite series of all time. Nice. And late i just want to say issue 39 i'm not going to spoil it because now that you actually want to read it it is i don't want to even say the emotion yeah. that's behind it but it is there's some good emotion there and the reason <laughs> i chose the later ones then don't. Is, <laughs> yeah clark, clark that comes off a little bit like chris farley and snl do you remember that part where you're walking over broken glass I'm like yeah that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's me. That was awesome. Um, and the reason I chose 207 to 212 is that um, X Factor goes through a, a change when it's not just about the X world. It becomes mm. about the whole Marvel world in the, from 200 on. Oh. And it does an amazing yeah. job with that. And it humor really, really develops later. And yeah. that's when the gay stuff really the gay stuff. The Richter, Shatterstar stuff has really started. The, two, the, the earlier part of that is all about them. And then it becomes just an interesting flavor of how they interact with the world. And it, it's amazing. Absolutely love they it. They start going to protests and pride parades yeah. and the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just about them going to a pride parade. I mean, I feel like it's we're so all leaning in a direction, but Kayla and Ryan, any other like things we should be excited about for X Factor investigations? I mean, I feel like this is or uh, like keep reading. Or, honestly, that's all. Just keep reading. Yeah, yeah. The team, the team, like the team gets huge, and somehow he manages to make it work. It's like yeah. twelve to fourteen characters at one point, and you're just like, yeah, they're all fleshed out. It makes no <laughs> sense. How the fuck did you do perfect. this? Yeah. Anyways, uh, I don't. Kaylin, what were you gonna say? I don't envy any book that has to go up against X-Factor Investigations because if Marauders was up against almost anything else, it would be moving on. Mm -hmm. But X-Factor Investigations, to Clark's point, Ryan's point, both points that Brent and Adam have made, it's just too good a series. It's, it's amazing that um, Peter David was, make it, was able to make it a, a, a work as well as he did. And it's bizarre that this is the series that had the longest numbering. Like when Mar Marvel started slashing numbering down to one, this was the last series left. That continue with yeah. anything above 10. So and it's also it, it's it's the second longest continued series in of with the same writer in Marvel history. Oh wow. Claremont yeah. and then this series is second. So yeah. before we throw it to a vote, 
I just want as a question in later discussions we'll have. Yeah. Um, this is a very good series. It's very enjoyable. We're not trying to find the most X-Men series. We're trying to find the most X-Men team. How does this one stack up against the others? Mm -hmm. With that thought in mind, let's give a thumbs up if you think the Krakoa Maradars should go forward. <laughs> Thank you. Ryan, is that right? Yeah, yeah. All right, it's five to zero. So uh, X-Factor Investigations moves forward. And moving on to the paramilitary teams. Uh, I'm going to obviously do this quick because we did too good of a job talking about the... Um, <laughs> These are all days. easier, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going up first with Uncanny X-Force versus Cable and X-Force. Uncanny X-Force is, they got a new baby, um, Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they have to deal with it. This team is formed in order to deal with baby um, Apocalypse. Uh, Cable and X-Force is kind of into, in between different main storylines throughout the Marvel Universe, and it's just a good team team book, having fun, doing interesting things. Um, what did you guys... Oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't read the numbers out to you folks. Okay, um, so we chose Uncanny... Uh, basically, Uncanny X-Force 1 through 4, and then 11 through 18. I chose smaller amounts because I didn't want to have you guys read 100, page, 100 <laughs> series, but... One through four is when they have to deal with baby apocalypse, and eleven through eighteen is when they have to deal with um, uh, Archangel Breaking Bad. What do you folks think? I I read uh, one through four of Uncanny X Force a while ago, and I really liked it. And I read Cable at X Force yesterday, and I can't even remember what the plot lines were. So I don't think I yeah. I think I remembered enjoying it while I was reading it, but like I tried to see myself at like the things I was giving myself as going through these series that I know I'm like do I want to read more does this feel like x-men so on and so forth and I just don't cable and x-force obviously doesn't stand out to me and I just I can still distinctly remember panels storyline from uncanny uh one through four so that that just sort of kind of just stands out for me but I don't, I don't know how you're feeling right one thing that I uh we never bring up and we always want to bring up and all these series is how great the art is. I think Uncanny X-Force is so good and so beautiful. beautiful. And like that alone, like stands up against just about all these series because it's so mm -hmm. gorgeous. Um, plot aside, which I also already love, it's, it's just so captivating and like there's layers to it. It's so beautiful. It's just, it looks like a fucking canvas. It's so pretty. I love it. The, the only thing I think um, I like better for Cable and X-Force is I think the team dynamic is more fun for me. Yeah, that's very fun. I especially love the issue um, that I chose for that one. I didn't actually tell you issues for that because whatever. But with when it's entirely a um, boom, boom, and domino issue. Did you read that one? It, it's yeah. just fun. The characters are so... Every single character works exactly how the character should be in that series. I, That's but a it's fun not an important issue. And, and it's the first series that made me like Hope. I hated Hope up until this. Um, the way X-Factor Investigations is to Clark, Uncanny X-Force is to me. Mm -hmm. um, I fucking love this book, and I'm pretty sure that's the one that's going to move on. So I'll reserve talking that's... about it more the next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's what I have too. I did just, I did quickly look at the Cable and X-Force covers, and I was like, oh, right, Colossus in jail. So I did remind myself of the yeah. story, and I... And I yeah. <laughs> Exactly right, Clark, where it's, it was very fun and it felt very good bubblegum wise. But I yeah. think, yeah, I think you're exactly right, Kaylin. Like I, that uncanny is like, I need more of this. I finished the one through four and I'm really excited to keep reading yeah. it as we go. I, 11, 11 through 18, you're going to fucking love so much. It's so the only good. Thing, the only other thing I do need to say, because we're obviously going to get rid of it, is that, <laughs> as I said before, the Domino Colossus relationship, yes. I shipped them. Yes, yes, yes. And this is I'm where a it big started. fan of that, uh, yeah. especially as it appears in the X Force, the new X Force. The uh, what's it called? The po Dawn of X. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and do it to a, a vote. Uh, all in favor of Uncanny X Force going forward, give a thumbs up. And it's five to zero. Uh, Uncanny X Force loses. No, JK. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll fucking yeah, kill you. Yeah, Uncanny X Force moves forward. Clark, what's the uh, next matchup? 
Okay, we got our post-cable X-Force versus our Psylocke. Oh, no, that was old. Post-candy X-Force versus Rise and Fall this year, Empire. Uncanny. So we chose let's, uh, uh, Rise and Fall. We said four issues, 475, 478, and 479 of Uncanny. And for post-cable X-Force, it was just a bunch of issues. Issue 44, 45, 54, 67 through 70. <laughs> And it, they're just like a, a grab bag of different things that are enjoyable. Um, what did people think about them? Oh, sorry. Quickly, um, the reason I chose the, the ones I chose are entirely character based. A lot of them are just like there's one that's the same reason I loved the um, psych the, the psych ep issue of X, X Factor is that I like this. Everyone's in jail and they have to explain what the hell's going on, and you learn about their characterization through that. Mm -hmm. In um, I think X Force fifty four. So for me, um, uh, the post-cable X-Force, I picked issue 44, which is the first um, issue that Jeff Loeb uh, wrote and Adam Polina drew, and it was like completely a new um, direction for the team. And then I picked 67 to 70 because there was then yet another direction for the team when John Francis Moore came on as writer. The unfortunate thing is Marvel Unlimited doesn't have very many of his issues. At all. I think because I think that's actually uh, a very good run because it was just them on the road getting into like little misadventures and it felt like a hangout book. Uh, it felt super different from a lot of the other iterations of X-Force. It doesn't even feel like a paramilitary book. It just feels like this group of, yeah. you know, quote unquote warriors who have just left their war behind and are trying to get some R&R, &R, which is a really neat uh, idea for, um, for a title. It's very weird because it's not even like they only have 10 issues in a row. They have like two issues in a row and then missing three and then they have one and then they're missing. It's very strange. And I, it's very wanted, strange, to choose, yeah. I wanted to choose more of those, but couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. So anyway, sorry um, folks. Um, Adam and et cetera. <laughs> et cetera. Why don't you go first? Et cetera. Yeah, Get it. I'm et cetera. Um, oh, I just didn't know if you'd read it. Therefore, yeah. I didn't say your name. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the post-cable kind of X-Force, I guess, you know what? Like, maybe in the future, maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's impossible for us to form certain X-teams and think of them cohesively because having these different storytellers behind the helm really makes a huge difference in the quality of the group. And so I felt like the voices across them were so inconsistent in the post-cable team. It, it, to me, it was very, maybe, maybe part of it is that it's like, there are style changes in the way that you develop characters uh, from the 80s to 90s to 2000s, 2010s, that like, I might like a more blunt force, uh, blunt force approach. Uh, but for like the post cable team, I just thought like, it's a mess to me. It did not read as characters who had different voices. Uh, it's it a mess. like you were trying to express opinions and you threw them on to different people. Whereas in the, uh, rise and fall to me, this felt like a story that was, you know, it had a larger vision about how to build an Epic and it, a bit more precise in trying to pick out the members of the team that would fulfill that. So um, I'll just say this about Rise and Fall. Rise and Fall has a very strong beginning. Uh, and then it's, mm -hmm. for me, it sort of peters out at the end. Uh, um, totally. It, it, I don't, yeah, sorry, keep going, but I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and that first issue of 475, I remember picking it up in the comic store, right? When I moved to DC, I went to Big Planet Comics in Georgetown, went home and read it like while drinking you know, a glass of wine or a beer or something. Hey, don't uh, and be I know. I'm a cool guy. I'm a cool nerd. <laughs> I um, was smoking my bong while reading it. Exactly. Yes. I was doing live. I was popping my loons while... Is he that old? I was so... Fuck you. I was so impressed with that issue. One, Ed Brubaker is a very good writer, although I don't think he's the strongest X-Men writer, but like I loved the conflict between Professor X and Cyclops and Professor X is putting his own team together. They have to go steal a spaceship, which is like one of my favorite like cliffhangers uh, of, of like any X-Men series. It's so good. And then it just kind of, 
yeah. but but to Brent's point, post cable X Force is a mishmash. It is it's got some really strong issues and it's got some really weak issues, and it just it just feels very directionless. And some of it's by design, and some of it is just because they didn't know what to do with the characters. I would agree. So they they were both kind of reboots of like trying to revitalize the title and doing stuff. And Rise and Fall, I, I couldn't drink at the time because I was only 19, so I wasn't like Halen um, and having a lot of wine with it. But when I was reading it sober, what? You were what just drinking that? a lot of Robitussin. <laughs> yeah, I was cussing was, out at that point. Halen was drinking a wine your age. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, th that was how... The post-Cable X-Force was fine. There was moments that were kind of fun and interesting, and they were expanding the characters or whatever. But the Rise and Fall, like, that that was a reboot that was well done. And, like, the X-Men tried to do that so many times. This went concurrent with, like, the Mike Carey run of the X-Men that came out. Mm -hmm. And it was so good to begin with. And it made you feel like they all had different missions. The post-Cable one was just sort of let's keep this up. What can the characters do next sort of thing for me? Clark. Adam, do you want to go in there? Uh, me, I can go. Um, I, yeah. For the same reason I, we were talking about um, the star jammers. I feel like it uncanny started really well. And then it basically became the same issue that I think it was about the story, not the team it actually became more about the villains than it did about the heroes. And so many of the heroes got lost. Like an eye crawler didn't matter mostly by the end darwin didn't super i mean no one really mattered by the end except for how they connected with a villain not how they dealt with each other and yeah. it feels like this series was created waiting up until issue 500 when they do the whole utopia thing almost like that they're just like it's like a holdover and and then it's also someone said we need to get some x-men into the into the space sagas that we've got going on right now and just get more people to read those it feels yeah. like it's almost that that's where it was headed i i was gonna say with all that said i did read the post cable x-force back when i was a kid and i thought it was stupid then and i think it's stupid now <laughs> i just <laughs> it very it's, i think brent you're 100 percent right it's just very disjointed i did not want to read more i was just sort of like okay great this just seems like middling night you know 90s 2000s yeah. comics that nobody cares about um all right with that in mind uh yeah. let's throw it up to a vote all in favor of the post cable x-force going forward give a thumbs up and in five to zero, it's the uncanny rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. Clark, uh, you want to get to the next one? Uh, no. Yeah, it's uh, Magneto's <laughs> Uncanny X-Men versus the original X-Force. And we have the issues, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I just keep wandering off from this one page. Um, Magneto, we chose Uncanny, basically one through five, and then Uncanny number nine. And that's going up against the issues uh, for Cable's New Mutants X-Force, which is New Mutants 100, and then over to X-Force 1419. Basically, Kayla and I chose the same things. So, Brent, yeah, that was Adam, what'd you me. read? Hey, et cetera, what'd you read? <laughs> Um, for, uh, I think I'm, it's going to be a conflict for me again of like what I like versus what I know probably has had the impact it was supposed to. And for, I generally enjoyed reading, uh, the sort of first four issues of X-Men, uh, Magneto's X-Men. And for New Mutants, I actually appreciated that it, just like Excalibur, uh, it did feel a little bit more timeless. I'm like, oh, okay, I could see where this is going. It wasn't so dated with references or overly focused, but I didn't necessarily want to see where that journey took me, whereas I'm still more interested to see with, it just felt like Magneto's X-Men had a little bit more edge, but I don't know if that really ends up paying off. So I'm kind of in the middle and I'm hoping to hear more from you all about like the overall idea of these series. Um, it's interesting that Clark and I picked the same issues for the original X-Force because I remember buying New Mutants number 100 as a kid and being like, this is the coolest fucking thing ever, my <laughs> God. Like, yeah, like New Mutants were so weird and lame and like, this is actually awesome. And like, you know, like the shoulder pads and the swords and the big guns. That's so nice. Um, and, then, and then picking number 19, like, I think I said this before when we originally talked about this bracket, 
X-Force gets kind of good once Layfield leaves, when it's mm-hmm. Baby Nicieza writing it and Greg Capullo drawing it. Greg Capullo is an underrated artist. Um, he most recently did, uh, he did metal, actually, um, metal. Uh, miniseries. And he drew a, a big chunk of, like, uh, Scott Snyder's Batman, uh, you know, in the early part of this decade. So he's tremendous. And even back then, like, he was a, a really good artist. Um, and I really like the way Nicieza wrote Cannonball and Sunspot and um, a lot of these characters about how they were, like, trying to get away from the shadow of the X-Men. Um, Magneto's X-Men, you know, is better than it should be, uh, even though it's got some, like, kind of ugh, Greg Land art. Uh, I like the way Cullen Bunn writes Magneto. Um, yeah. Yep, yep. You know, and, and I like that, like, again, this is now another editorially driven event, like the whole, like, uh, Terrigen Mist stuff coming in and fucking up the mutants. Mm. Um, um, Cullen Bunn, like, basically, you know, took lemons and made lemonade out of it and made, like, a shitty premise uh, into a, actually a fairly compelling series. Um, but if I had to pick, I mean, I think, the original X-Force has more of an impact uh, on where we're going. I mean, it introduced Deadpool as one example. Mm, Um, You know, like it created the characters as we sort of know them now or laid the foundation. Um, It just, it's more historically relevant. Brian? Magneto's X-Men was good in a time that the X-Men were kind of terrible. Like this was a bright shining point. Like it's something that you could read of the X-Men that was kind of fun. So you, and Psylocke's story was getting a little bit, like she was basically going toe-to-toe with Magneto, which I really appreciated. She's just as competent as a leader. So I really appreciated that. But I mean, th- this whole bracket could basically basically be called X-Force. Yeah, yeah. And it's going up against something that's called Cable's New Mutants X-Force, meaning this is the formation of everything that an X-Force team is. Pockets, guns, and boobs and missing feet and so many different things that we know what X-Force is, it's because of this run. But we can only make fun of that because this is so iconic. You listed pockets four times. Pockets and more pockets. I, I, Cargo I'm shorts pockets. I'm playing with the, the fact that the one is super important and the other one isn't really, but I do not like the team at all in X-Force. And if I'm voting based on what the team is, then I know what I'm voting. But I like those characters. I like the characters, but it, they aren't good characters yet. Mm. I don't think Are it's we, a good team yet. I was going to say in Magneto's X-Men, I fucking love Monet. I, I oh, think yeah. That He's, character yeah. is the best. so fantastic. The best of us. Such a bitch, and I just love it. It works so effectively, too, with people that are also assholes. <laughs> yeah. Gay icon. Throw it to a vote. Yes. Vote, All vote, in, vote. All in favor of Magneto. Give a thumbs up. All in favor of Magneto's team. <laughs> Magneto in general, yeah. <laughs> All Please in favor go. of Magneto going forward. Uh, thumbs up. And it is, oh, three to two. Try, I'm happy with that because it didn't break the bracket. X Force wins. I'm happy that, that we like, got two and we didn't break the bracket. Anyways, that's the um, like closest vote we've gotten. Yeah. Um, last thing: uh, Krakoa X Force versus Decimation X Force. We chose well, Krakoa X Force. We read the whole thing, so listen to our podcast. Uh, Decimation X Force. We chose many issues. Uh, well, not really, but six, eight, eleven, twelve, and thirteen, for many different reasons. Um, <laughs> My, my later ones are entirely based on characterization. It, number eight is based on um, Domino and Vanisher coming in and just shaking up the team in hilarious ways, usually. This, uh, for me, the Decimation X-Force, compared to the current one that's going on right now, this is how you make an X-Force team significant. And it was written well for <laughs> like I read it all through the '90s, all through everything. This is the first time that I've been like, "Oh, this is a good series." It's the first time I actually thought it's on par with some of the better comic series in general, not just X Men, but just something bigger is at work here. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, yeah. Like the Krakoa X Force is you know at a significant disadvantage from being so new. Yes. I think it's actually a very strong team. Yeah, uh, it is. got very. It's it's clearly seeding a lot of interesting plot lines. It's got an interesting kind of geopolitical motivation. 
um, but it just doesn't have the same historical legacy. Which it, I, I just so, uh, it, it's yeah. seeding, but it hasn't seeded yet. We don't know yeah. where yeah. the seeds oh, are. Oh, gonna it could not pay off. Um, <laughs> no, oh, seeded, yeah. I get it. <laughs> so conceptual, conceptually speaking, um, while I agree with Ryan, like the decimation era X Force is probably the best X Force has probably been up to that point. Um, but it was still yet another black ops team, um, or like a like a kind of like a like a proactive paramilitary team that's like kind of under the you know uh, a little bit like under the guise of doing stuff that's uh, trying to protect mutants before mutant threats came to them. Whereas I really love the concept of uh, X Force and Krakoa being their CIA, uh, and like having like an ops and an so like a secret black ops team again. That's yeah. so different. Yeah. Caleb, Caleb why have you fact, crawled into the corner? Stop it! Stop! Those aren't the same. They're not the same. <laughs> why are you so hidden in the corner? Yeah, Caleb is like crouched down behind his name. <laughs> Um, no, but it's not the same. It's not the same to have like a black ops team. You know, I know we call black ops teams based off of like, you know, Halliburton and Warhammer and Blacksmith or whatever they're called. <laughs> Three different things. <laughs> but, but really having, having one as being like an actual a political arm versus another being a hired mercenary team does make a difference. It makes a difference between the way they behave ethically and uh, I think it, it, it affects the organization. I was yeah. surprised reading Decimation how funny it was. Uh, I thought that most of the X-Force teams were a little bit more, we've got to make everything macho and every line has to be a killer badass line. Yeah. But this team did seem like it had a bigger, a better sense of humor and a better sense of scale about what their role was. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty hilarious, except for anything involving Wolfsbane, which is yeah, rough. They're dealing with murder. Is that a Wolfsbane joke, Clark? Was that a Wolfsbane joke? Oh shit, no! But I'm I'm keeping it. It was rough. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, just accept what you say. Actually, correct. Clark. Ooh, Come on. Ooh, ooh, All right. Ooh. Uh, anyone else have also, anything to say on this? I'll just say Krakoa X-Force doesn't have to go through Necrotia next. Mm. Necrotia well, we don't know. Story. It might be Necrotia, too. It's so new. Who the fuck knows? Well, we got Dazzler's sister in Necrotia 1. Let's keep oh. her dead. Yeah. Adam, did you have anything to say about this? Uh, I think I agree with you, Brent, where I know that there's a lot of uh, energy behind uh, Decimation X-Force. And I definitely, I've read it off and on, just kind of picking up issues because I think it had a lot of accolades over the years when it since it would come out. And I, I really like Krakoa X-Force. I just, I don't know if it's had enough time to breathe and like for us to really have a full vision of how it turns out and what it, what it is. But, I, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. With that, we'll throw it up to our last vote. All in favor of the Krakoa X-Force moving forward, give a thumbs up. And in a three to two decision, Decimation X-Force moves forward. With, I'm with glad I didn't look. I Adam's like I broken finger. I didn't, yeah, I was like, I was trying to keep my eyes closed because I didn't want to, I was like, I do want to read more of Decimation X-Force and yeah. I just I don't think Krakoa's X Force is going to make it further anyway. Because no, think I think all the Krakoa's needed yeah. to go by this point. All right, so can we get a list of the matchups that are going next week and what's? what's yeah, I'll uh, I'll do the uh, I'll do the miscellaneous teams. So uh, for the Sweet Sixteen, um, it's going to be original X Factor moving forward. Um, it'll be Excalibur, the original Excalibur. Uh, it'll be the all new, all different X Factor. Uh, it'll be X Factor Investigations. So, and then Clark, do you want to talk about which uh, paramilitary groups you're going for? It'd be Uncanny X Force versus Rise and Fall. It's going to be the original X Force versus Decimation Era X Force. Ooh, and, and that—that's going to be on June fourth, which is next yes, week. and we are including <laughs> yep. that with our other one, the other side of the bracket. So those are going to be uh, all new, all different. X-Men versus the Outback Era X-Men. There's going to be New X-Men versus uh, Utopia X-Men. And then 
for the young team's bracket is New Mutants versus Generation X. And it is post-estimation New X-Men versus Wolverine and the X-Men. So you're getting all of those teams next week. Tough choices next week. Next yeah, we week are, is we going to be some fights. We are getting, we are getting much tighter. You've, if you've listened to us so far, you've probably heard most of our base criticisms that we have not uh, saved for the later rounds, and that's where you're going to hear them. Um, of course, uh, one way you can really benefit everyone is by donating to the Comic Book Industry Charitable Foundation, the BINC, and their Comic Book United Fund. Keep donating. Please give money, even if it's $2, through the end of May. Um, anything else? And otherwise, goodbye. Um, the, every single issue we've talked about today, in the if you go into the brackets and everything that you guys have been working on and going through, every single one have been linked to Marvel's... Um, uh, whatever what's what's the word i just yeah, lost the original the original bracket submission that you yes. probably looked at and checked out there's a tab with comic with links directly to marvel unlimited, unlimited. so that's a good point clark definitely follow along with us and read along with us and, and give us your thoughts so well. every single series that have gone from the final 32 have issues that we have earmarked for you guys to read if you have uh, unlimited if you don't go to hell <laughs> that's Stop a new app that Marvel poor. is releasing it's called Hell yep. uh, and uh, as always listen to us on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify, interact with us on uh, Twitter and on Instagram I promise to post one of these days so yep. thanks bye mm-hmm